Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are here to worship you. We know that your eyes are upon us. Jesus had promised where two or three are gathered, there I am with you also. He also promised that he would send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be with us. So we are together here with you to worship you. May our thoughts, may our minds, may our hearts be focused on you. Amen. Radical rabbi. Radical rabbi. Do we love Jesus or what? Amen. Jesus was a radical rabbi. And I want you to imagine that you were in those early years of the first century in Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee, sitting around the lunch table. I know none of you go home and talk about the sermon. I know you don't do that. Or talk about the preacher or anything like that. No negativity, nothing. Imagine sitting around your table at home and somebody in your family, it could be an older person, it could be a father, mother, could be one of the kids, comes home and said, wow, there's this radical teacher teaching some amazing things. You need to go out and hear him. Now, why was Jesus radical? I'm going to tell you a few reasons. Most of the teachers in his time, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, teachers of the law, were they older or younger? Most were older. Jesus is 30 years old. He's a young rabbi. He's supposed to be at the bottom of the line, earn your keeps, work your way in. He's 30. Um, he was not educated in the schools of the rabbis. He was, a, he was educated by his father in heaven and his mother on earth. There were questions, and that's a whole nother discussion about his family history. His mother was a little suspect. Um, this story about being a virgin and having a baby, um, that's, that's a tough story. And his father was married before, and you know, what's going on here? And he tried to put her away. And so his family, you know, he's 30, he's got a questionable family. His education is not formal. And he comes from Nazareth. You know, we tag people to their neighborhoods, don't we? What side of town you live in? What's your zip code? He comes from Nazareth. We heard the phrase in the Bible, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And look at his disciples. Look at the people that are following him. That's going to come back to you guys in a minute. You'll be thinking about yourself, people looking at you. So who wants to follow a radical? You like radicals? Are you radical? Think about it, because you're going to have to answer yes or no in about 30 minutes, uh, unless I put my vest on and it'll be 20. Do you want to follow a radical? Do you want to be a radical? History, go this way. History is full of some radicals that you might be aware of. You ever heard of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, 
John Adams, Thomas Jefferson. You know, they were all considered radicals. It just depends on what side of the ocean you're on. And in the colonies in those days, a third of the colonists were loyalists to England. A third were sticking their finger in the wind to see which way it would blow. And only a third were, were we would call them patriots. The English would call them rebels. Um, they were radicals. The Sons of Liberty, remember they took all that tea and threw it in Boston Harbor? That's pretty crazy. Frederick Douglass, during the 1850s and 60s, famous abolitionist, black American who fought for the ending of slavery. I'm gonna get some names that you're really familiar with. Harriet Tubman was a radical who would go help slaves escape from the South through the Underground Railroad. If I mention political names, I'm not endorsing them. Don't send me email. Don't say anything. This first person I can endorse, Abraham Lincoln. But Abraham Lincoln started out with a group when he was younger. This is the 1850s and 60s. It's not current events. His group, who was against slavery, they were called radical Republicans in their time. Martin Luther King Jr. was a radical for civil rights for all Americans. And he spoke out in radical ways and was tagged by a lot of people, called all kinds of names. Gandhi in India was radical for nonviolent teachings. One of my favorites, Mother Teresa, was radical because she cared for the outcasts, the caste system where, you know, you start at the top, move your way down. The ones at the bottom, she cared for the ones that no one would care for. That was radical. Okay, we're getting a little more current. current. Again, no endorsements here, just talking. Ronald Reagan was radical for his, his belief in interaction with the Soviet Union. Some of you don't have any idea what the Soviet Union is. It was a whole bunch of countries that were dominated by Russia and controlled, and he was radical in saying, this can't stay like this, it's gotta change. So let's give equal time, Republican, Democrat. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was considered very radical for his social programs. And here's a shocker, we're still fighting about that today. We're still having those battles back and forth. But he was considered very radical. So are you radical? Should you be radical? Is your religion radical? Is your life radical? We have to define those words, don't we? Have you ever noticed on social media you use words and then a whole bunch of people want to tell you what you mean with those words? And then you have to explain what you actually meant with the words? And they usually don't like what you meant by the words? And it's a fun conversation. Well, let's, let's nail down radical and rabbi, which Jesus is. Merriam-Webster Dictionary, I hope that's not politically incorrect. Here's the definition for radical. Very different from the usual, or very different from the traditional. Did he break traditions? In a lot of ways. And it says, 
breaking traditions and being extremely different. Was Jesus extremely different? He sure was. We're going to get to the specifics in a minute. So the, the other, the next definition for radical is favoring extreme changes. Most of us favor extreme changes in other people. We're all for that. And we're willing to tell them where they need to change and how soon they need to change and the consequences of them not changing. Favoring extreme changes in, tell me if you fit in here anywhere, existing views. Did Jesus deal with some existing views in his time? Yeah. Habits. Any of you got habits? Conditions or extreme change of institutions. And the word rabbi, basically, you know it means teacher, spiritual leader, religious leader, usually used in the context of the Jewish community. So Jesus, I believe, I'm proposing, was a radical rabbi. Let's look at our first text, Mark 1, 22. And the people were astonished at Jesus' teaching for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Breaking that down means he was teaching things that were relevant, that were different, and were radical. So let's get down to it. What made Jesus radical? I've got about 100 texts. But I'm not going to put them on the screen. I'm not going to tell you where they're at. But you've heard them before. You know what they are. So we're just going to run down this. His radical teachings were, and here's one that would be radical today, love your enemies. Love your enemies, Steve. The Good Samaritan. You, know, you mean people that are different from us can be good? How about turn the other cheek? I've noticed when I get in line for Starbucks or other places, sometimes people in line get rather antsy. And I've got a problem. The Starbucks we go to, there's like a four-way intersection. And somehow people don't like to wait their turn. And sometimes they use sign language and other things to communicate. Their frustrations. Are you willing to turn the other cheek? Are you willing to let somebody go in front of you? Who's the greatest? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Here's a good one, take up your cross. Ugh, I don't know if I wanna do that. His claim to be the Messiah when he was in the synagogue and he read Isaiah 61 and he said, this is fulfilled today in your presence, this is I. His teaching on death as a sleep is teaching that it's lawful to do what on the Sabbath? Good. If you are doing good for someone else, Jesus said it's lawful to do that. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, to God the things that are God's the greatest commandment. It goes on and on and on. 
So Jesus was, number one, a radical rabbi because he had radical teachings. But you know what else he had? Radical forgiveness. He said 70 times 70. I think that's 490. I hope that's right. Have you forgiven anybody 490 times? He said, if you're without sin, you can cast the stone. And the one that really, do you believe Jesus when he says something? Does he mean it when he says it? The one that shakes me when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus actually forgave the people that were crucifying him. Who is God willing to forgive? Everybody. There's nothing that we can do that God is not willing to forgive. If you have any doubt, look to the cross. And the one I love too is the thief on the cross. Jesus tells him, your salvation is guaranteed today. You will be with me in paradise. Wouldn't you love... Do you know the best day for the thief was the day he was on the cross? It was also his worst day. Your worst day can also be your best day. He met Jesus and Jesus promised him a place in his kingdom. Radical teachings, radical forgiveness. Process these away. Another thing that made Jesus a radical rabbi was he had radical relationships. And let's look at Mark 2.16. Mark 2.16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw, they were always watching, how can I encourage Jesus? How can I help Jesus? How can I bless Jesus? No. They were watching for other things. When the Pharisees and scribes saw him eating with Democrats and Republicans, no, that's not what it says, saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners. Evident, evidently, I can't decide if it was worse to be a tax collector or a sinner, or Tim, maybe they were just same group, but it was, it was a group that would get people worked up. They said to his disciples, they didn't bother to talk to him, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners because Jesus is looking for a relationship with everyone. Sinners, tax collectors. This, this is, the New Testament is revolutionary. It's crazy. I mean, he actually talked to women. He actually took the time to talk to women there should be a lesson there somewhere. He actually took time for children. And here's the kicker, Gentiles. The, come on, Jesus, you, you wanna spend time with women, with children and Gentiles? Samaritans who are like half mixed race? Romans? Prostitutes? Poor people? Sick people? Political people, one of his disciples was a zealot. Go study what they did. Hungry people, Jesus, radical teachings, radical forgiveness, radical 
relationships. Oh, it's coming to you, don't worry. The application is coming to you. He also was there for radical reform. He was a rabbi. He was Jewish. He came to Judaism, like all the prophets before, looking for reform, for change. He said, I don't desire sacrifice, I want mercy. He said, you tithe the mint and the little spices and all that, that's good. But he says, you've ignored the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, love. He brought Sabbath reform. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In, in Jesus' eyes, what's the highest priority? Man or Sabbath? Man, people. That's not to put down the Sabbath, but he says people are more important. You're so, imp you're so worried about don't heal the withered hand, don't do this, don't walk that far. Like I said earlier, he says it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then what got him really in trouble, Tim, as he turned over the money tables, when you touch money, whoa, look out. Radical reform, radical rebirth, you must be born again, radical repentance, radical revelation. He said, you know this, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. Jesus came to show us, the world, his time, the people. He also came to show the universe the evil angels, Lucifer, what God is really like, the cross. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to reveal him. A radical refocus. This is all coming to you. You know this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Be careful getting too entangled in earthly stuff. George Washington said, don't get entangled, America, in foreign affairs. Jesus says, don't get too entangled in earthly things that you ignore seeking the kingdom of God. He brought a radical resurrection. He brought a radical reign. He said, my kingdom is eternal, earth is temporary. And here's a good one I think we all can like from a radical rabbi. He promises a radical return. I will come in the clouds again to take you home. Does Jesus promise us a lot? Are they good promises? Do they make our life better? Do they give us hope? And finally, radical love in the cross, and you know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Okay, I want to come to you now. If you have a radical rabbi and you believe what he teaches, and I assume most of us believe the teachings of Jesus, it creates dangerous disciples. If you follow a radical teacher with radical teachings, it creates dangerous disciples. Why are we dangerous? Why are you dangerous? You're dangerous because we challenge the traditions of the world. Sometimes we even challenge leaders. Remember Martin Luther, the Reformation, others? 
We challenge authorities. We challenge lies and falsehood. We call for peace. We are meek, not proud. We show mercy and love. We are pure in heart with good motives most of the time. We see all people as equal. If you see all people as equal, you are dangerous. We've got six doors back there. And you go through those six, well, you go through one big door, three doors, then you go through six, then you go through another six. Who does Jesus want to walk through those doors? Who is welcome here? Everyone. He is inclusive, not exclusive. And if we follow him as teachings, if we are dangerous disciples, our lives are going to be in deep contrast to what the world calls for. It's a two-pronged challenge. We have to be willing to live for Jesus, and then we have to be willing, if necessary, to die for him. And you know this, I don't have to tell you this, but how did it work out for John the Baptist? How did it work out for Peter, Paul, Stephen, the first century Christians who lived under Roman oppression and you were supposed to greet each other like at an earlier time in European history, you've read about where people would say, Heil Hitler. In the first century Roman world, you had to say, Caesar is Lord as a greeting. And it meant Caesar is God. And the Christians would not say that. And just like the people who would not say Heil Hitler, many of them were put to death, the first century Christians, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of martyrs. And it's estimated today uh, Barnum estimates that 300 to 500,000 Christians a year die for their faith around the world. We're sort of immune to that here, but believers around the world are not. Bonhoeffer during Nazi Germany. Jesus says, come follow me to you and I. Come live for me, and if necessary, maybe die for me. And if we're dangerous disciples, does Jesus call us to forgive like he forgives? Let me ask you, church, think about this. Who do you need to forgive today? And we all interact with people. Who do you need to forgive today? And if you say no one, then maybe some of us need to look at ourselves and say, do we need to forgive ourselves today? Are there things that we need to forgive? If you're a dangerous disciple, you will give the same forgiveness that Jesus gave, and that is dangerous. I'm going to age myself here. The book, The Hiding Place. You ever heard of it? You ever read it? Corey Ten Boom. There may be a couple generations that have not. In a nutshell, her and her sister were in a Nazi concentration camp for a couple years and her sister died in the camp. Cory Ten Boom got out. When she got out, she wrote the book, The Hiding Place. It's a great read. If you haven't read it, read it. If you haven't read it for a couple decades, read it again. She would go all around preaching, telling her story, telling about God's forgiveness. 
and some of you may remember this from the book, in one of her meetings, an old gentleman came up to her afterwards and said, I was a guard in your camp. This is the camp that her sister died in. I want to ask you to forgive me because I found Jesus and I've asked for repentance and I've changed, but I need, I want your forgiveness. And Corey Ten Boom said her arm felt like it weighed a thousand pounds. She couldn't move it. She had so much bad feelings and hatred and things in her heart. And she thought, what am I going to do? And she said, God, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me because I can't do this. And somehow she said she took the man's hand and said, I forgive you. Now let's remember, when we, feel, when we forgive people, it doesn't mean we feel good about it. And it also doesn't mean they become our best friend and come over every week for lunch. But Jesus calls us to love our enemies and forgive our enemies. And if we as a church could be a super forgiving people like Jesus was, we can change our community. We can change our country. We can change the world by being that kind of dangerous disciple. Well, there's a lot more, but like Jesus had radical relationships, we are called to do that. He calls us to a radical rebirth. Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I do that? Jesus says, I'm talking about spiritual, not physical. You guys are living in the physical. I'm talking about the spiritual. You must be born again. You must demonstrate a radical repentance. You must show a radical love. This guy's teachings are tough. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by your love. It's active, something we do. Dangerous disciples have a love that changes their world. And finally, our radical rabbi gives us a dangerous commission, and it's very clear, and let's put it up here, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It's part of the human experience. We doubt. This is the resurrected Jesus. He told them he would rise again. He was right in front of them. They saw him and they doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them and saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Here we go. Follow along. Jesus says to his dangerous disciples, go. Go. Don't stay where you are. Go. And make disciples. We know the make disciples part of which people group? All nations. Go to all people. Do not exclude anyone. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that who has commanded? That Jesus. We teach what Jesus taught. We live what Jesus taught. It's not about our opinions. It's not about our philosophy. It's not about our politics. It's not about our traditions. 
teaching them all things that I have commanded you. Dangerous disciples teach the radical rabbi's teaching. And here's the promise, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's what I want you to take away. We follow and worship a radical rabbi, Jesus. May our lives be a witness and influence on others for Jesus. May the Holy Spirit convince and empower us to be what Jesus calls us to be, dangerous disciples for a radical rabbi.